I'm Seth Day. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm Rebecca Hackmeyer, and I use she, her pronouns. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Rad, Rad Child, Child Podcast. Podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Way to Go and Room to Grow. Today, we are going to be talking a little bit about some uh, different winter celebrations. I know we we sort of covered autumn celebrations, and I thought it would be fun to sort of do like a seasonal roundup, um, because it would be weird if we just did autumn and then forgot about the other seasons. I don't know. That seems rude. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> love yeah exactly we're all about equality here on Rad Child Podcast um <laughs> uh, but yeah so I thought we could talk a little bit about our some of our favorite books uh from different winter celebrations this I have to say was really hard for me because there are obviously a lot of winter celebrations and I felt bad like leaving some out <laughs> I, I opened up the spreadsheet and I was like, oh, I don't need to do any books because Seth is doing 75. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I have I have four and then two honorary mentions that uh, I'm going to make quick. Okay. Um, but uh, it made me think about like the way I felt bad for the books made me think about my mom told me she was like, uh, you know, this is how like guilty I felt as she was like, I grew up Catholic and that Catholic guilt is real. She was like, I remember going to the store and my parents said I could pick out a candy bar and I felt bad for the other candy bars. <laughs> like if I didn't pick them and I was like yep that sounds about right so that's how I felt towards these books <laughs> like towards these other holidays um uh but anyway so I, I will try to I'll try to make it brief <laughs> as brief as I can take your time um, I'm gonna sit here with well, my hot cider well, and I'm so... just gonna let your words wash over me <laughs> And it's uh, except I'm now realizing that I have none of my books in front of me um, because that's where I'm at today. So I'm going to take a quick minute to gather. I don't know where they are. Did I put them away? What did I do? I was cleaning. This is, yeah, this is going to be fun for my editor. Great. Good, good luck. Um, okay. Wait here. No, that was, what did I do with my books? And how's my sound? Because I noticed that my little you lines... sound fine. Okay, because my little lines are very short compared to your little lines. Uh-huh. I'm going to go on a hunt for these books. I'll be right back. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Today I'm like well, somewhere else. You accidentally gave them away to... Uh, <laughs> yeah, right? pickup <laughs> in the book. Oh, I literally have no idea where they could possibly... Well, we can cut all this. We don't need to have to listen to my dead air. Take your time. You can find the books. I mean, it should be fine. I mostly know what happens in them. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. But one I was going to read part of. <laughs> what? In the, I'm just like so perplexed because I have no idea where they could possibly be. Or by the bunnies. I'm going to. Yeah, they probably eat them. Um, I blame the bunnies. Okay. Cat gets the credit for solving the mystery. She was like, Seth, did you put them in your backpack because you wanted to work on them at work? I was like, oh, that's awesome. so smart. So we figured it out. Awesome. <laughs> um, amazing. Uh, so yeah, definitely leave all of that in. Um, great, great <laughs> content. <laughs> Compelling, compelling stuff. Yes, compelling, compelling stuff. Okay, thank you for bearing with me today, Rebecca. I'm just like... <laughs> Dude, I'm like, just sitting here, <laughs> my tea or my hot cider. Oh, oh my God, listen no. To the <laughs> All right. So, uh, so anyway, the first book that I want to talk about, um, I, I love this book. The author actually reached out to me. I'm, I'm in like a Jewish kid lit group. Um, 
and she had actually reached out to me when I did my when we did our Judaism episode. Mm-hmm. She's like, "Oh, hey, like if you're looking for you know new books, like this book just came out." And I was like, "You know, I was kind of, whenever authors reach out to me, I'm like, okay, like I don't, you know, like I don't know if it's gonna fit um, our mission because sometimes people will just be like, I want to get my book out there." And it doesn't necessarily fit our mission at all. Uh, but this, I think this might be like my favorite Hanukkah book. I love Ooh. this book. Um, it's called The N- the Ninth Night of Hanukkah. Um, and it's by Erica S. Pearl and illustrated by Shahar Kober. Uh, and it's published by Sterling Publishing. And it's just like one of the sweetest stories. Just like, you know, it's one of those books that like everything, like the story, the illustrations, just everything is really, really wonderful. Um, so it's basically about this family that just moved uh, to a new apartment building and it's Hanukkah, but they haven't sort of fully unpacked. Like they're still living out of boxes and they can't find their Hanukkah stuff. So each night the kids sort of go to a different neighbor and ask for help for different things. So like, right, the first night they they make they can't find their menorah. So the kids make a menorah, but they can't find the candles. They realize the candles are in the box with the menorah. So they go to a neighbor and the neighbor has like birthday candles. And they're like, I don't know, is this good enough? Uh, And, you know, they're like, sure. And, you know, the next night uh, they can't find, you know, dad's special latka pan. Right. And so they, uh, they go to a neighbor and the neighbor's like, I have some French fries. You want some French fries? (laughs) And so like, (laughs) you know, each it's the super actually (laughs) the super of the building. Um, But anyway, so it sort of goes, goes along like this and, uh, for all the eight nights of Hanukkah and each and each page ends with it was nice but it didn't quite feel like Hanukkah right mm-hmm. um, and and so eventually like throughout the couple you know by a couple of days they realized that the box must be still be in the mail like it must have gone missing because it's not you know they opened all the boxes and they can't find the Hanukkah stuff and uh, and you know it, it ends up not arriving before Hanukkah is over and so on the eighth night of Hanukkah on the last night the kids sort of get this idea that they they put together you know, in secret and uh in so basically uh for those who might not be familiar on the uh, hanukkah which is the menorah you specifically use for hanukkah there are there's eight branches for each night and then there's a candle in the middle called the shamash candle uh, and that's sort of the helper candle right if you if you think about like on a birthday cake when you take one candle and you use it to light all the other candles that's essentially what that candle does so you light that candle and then you can use it to light the other candles and it's considered sort of the helper candle and so since all of their neighbors helped them they decide to celebrate a shamash night like a ninth night of hanukkah and invite all their neighbors over um mm-hmm. and celebrate with with all of them because they were sort of helpers uh to them and then of course right the box with the hanukkah stuff arrives the ninth night um <laughs> and and they're able to sort of celebrate that ninth night of hanukkah um and it's just like a really sweet story i feel like it's less about it's less like this is how hanukkah is celebrated but right it still has those elements right like they're you know they're talking about making lakas they're talking about play like they they come up with a way to play dreidel without a dreidel they use like an umbrella and like spin it or, or whatever they're making all these silly things up um so it still has those elements of like how it's celebrated but it's less like this is an explanation of how it's celebrated and more a story that captures like the feeling of the holiday right. um and sort of the you know feeling the sort of sense sentiments around it um and the spirit of it uh and what i really liked about the illustrations is that it was like super you know racially diverse you know there's like um a single a single dad um with a you know with a little baby and like there's uh there's twin representation someone who works with twins i always love that twin rep (laughs) um and you know it's just like a very diverse community it very much feels like an apartment building like i i was um you know i lived in new york city for many years and like it very much felt like i don't know where it was supposed to take place but it very much felt like that new york city apartment building with just like a variety of different kinds of people you know um 
so I, yeah, I just really like this story. I think it's a, a really sweet story. I almost like uh, it is about Hanukkah, but I almost feel like you could read it like any time of year. It's just really a story about like community and people. Um, and I really don't have a room to grow. I love this book. <laughs> wow. Yeah. This like, uh, and what a timely, like the idea of doing a makeshift holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, right? <laughs> like, like what a timely thing for us right now is we are being encouraged to like, kind of change the way that we yeah, like rethink yeah and um yeah so I love I love that idea of, of figuring out how to how to be together and how to you know how to honor your traditions but also be flexible yeah absolutely I don't know what they're doing in the states and, and it probably varies from state to state but here here in Quebec they basically were like listen we know you're gonna do Christmas anyway so we're just gonna say you can but only eight people <laughs> it's right. basically what they did because <laughs> they're like listen we know you people are gonna do it <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah we've had similar there's there's similar kind of suggested travel restrictions yeah um, but I think there's a lot of that what is that uh, term about um harm reduction yeah acknowledging that cold turkey is like a very challenging model and so trying to figure out a way that that people can make a smart kind of minor yeah absolutely yeah and then they like for us like I know you have to quarantine after or whatever you know obviously it's suggested who knows if people are actually going to do it um but uh but you know I think yeah like you were saying I like that idea of thinking about how to adjust um and I always think it's funny when like you know, a movie or a book, like it, it takes a long time to write a movie or book, right? When, so, when someone is, when that's in its initial creation pro- process, they don't know what the world is going to look like by the time it comes out, right. Uh, usually, right? Unless it's a reactionary thing or mm. with a book, for example, like the books that were written when COVID came out that we talked about. Um, but usually you don't know what the world is going to look like by the time it comes out. So it's always so interesting to me when it ends up being super timely like that. Mm. Um and yeah, this book definitely uh, hits that mark for me. And and it's just like the illustrations are really sweet in the book. Uh, again, I just, I love a good book. It reminds me a lot of Sky High Sukkah, where it's just like about community um, and sort of about that element of, of the holiday and the culture. And, and um, kids solving problems, right? Yes. I love that. Me too. I, I really enjoy when kids have, it's interesting. I feel like there's this balance between like, like there are certain books where I'm like, that shouldn't be the kid's problem. And then there are other books where I'm like, no, I love that the kids are solving the problem. I guess it depends on the problem. Right. Um, right. right. <laughs> yes. There are some um, things that children should not have to mitigate themselves. But other yeah. things like, I think if a, a kid sees a, sees a problem and wants to tackle it, that's, that is uh, exactly right. Yeah, I feel like it's also empowering to kids, right? To be able to be like, you know what? I can solve problems and I can come up with things, you know? 100%. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I really like that that one. Um, the next one I want to talk about is called The Shortest Day. And that's by Wendy Pfeffer and illustrated by Jesse Reich. And that's uh, published by Puffin Books, which is an imprint of Penguin. Uh, and so I talked about um, the autumn version of this one, uh, which now, of course, the name is escaping me. I think I have it. What are you called? Book we oh, we gather together celebrating the harvest season. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that again because I moved away from my mic. Uh, and that one is called We Gather Together Celebrating the Harvest Season. And there's one of these basically for each um, equinox and solstice. Uh, it's a it's a it's a series. I couldn't find that word for that. <laughs> <laughs> what is that called? Um, so this one is for the winter solstice, uh, and basically it 
you know, it talks about similarly to the, the books are all very similar uh, in that they talk about the winter solstice from sort of a scientific and historical perspective. So it very much takes uh, the same format as the last book where it starts by, you know, sort of talking about how animals prepare for winter, which I think is cute. So it starts, there's these very, it's this cute little squirrel eating a nut. And it says in late autumn in the Northern part of the world, squirrels hide nuts, foxes grow thick fur coats and flocks of birds fly to warmer places. The sun rises later each morning and sets earlier each evening. Each day it appears lower in the Southern sky. As the sun gets lower and lower, the North gets less and less daylight. The air grows colder. Chickadees fluff their feathers to keep warm, woodchucks hibernate in their burrows, and white-tailed deer nuzzle through the snow to find the last blades of grass. So it sort of starts by talking about, like, what's happening in the animal world. Um, And also, you know, sort of starts to hint at, like, why, uh, you know, why we have sort of uh, shorter days um, with the sun and everything. Uh, And then, you know, it kind of talks about how the days are getting shorter and darker, right? There's like a, a family eating dinner and it's already dark out and it's talking about, right, how, you know, kids, you know, long for summer days where they could play after dinner, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And and then it talks a little bit about the solstice um, and it's basically, basically it's talking, I'm just going to read an excerpt. Um, it says, you know, the shortest day called the winter solstice is beginning is the beginning of winter. And in some places, winter means cold nipping weather. The earth tilts as it moves around the sun. When the Northern part of earth tilts away from the sun, the North gets less heat and light than the Southern part. So it's like very simply explaining sort of what's going on. And there's a little bit of a more detailed kind of diagram of the, the, in the back of the book um, with your fun solstice facts. Um <laughs> I don't, I don't know why. I just think it's really funny that they're like included, like fun solstice facts. I'm like, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe to someone who's like really excited about science. Um, but uh, everyone, so <laughs> I, no, I, I guess. <laughs> um, it's, well, so, when, you, when you have to um, assert that something is fun, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> right uh but but in the back of the book there is sort of a deeper explanation and it talks about all of the equinox and solstices um and explains sort of in the relation the earth's relationship to the sun and all that so there's sort of that supplementary material in the back um and then it sort of goes on into like the history portion and it talks about um you know, sort of early, like early peoples and their relationship with, uh, with the solstice and, you know, how it was like probably very scary to people at first, like, uh, that it got darker and sort of, um, you know, and the days got shorter and sort of like mythology and things that people made up to reconcile with that. Um, and then it talks about like early astronomers who started to notice the shortening of the days and different ways that they marked, uh, this day. So they knew sort of when the days would get longer again, and they adjusted for farming and things like that. Um, and then it shifts to talking more about like how, uh, the winter solstice was celebrated throughout history and sort of some traditions that still last today. Like, uh, like they're talking about Romans using evergreens, um, and, uh, you know, things that still remain today. And it ends with those fun solstice facts, uh, and, uh, and activities. All these books have activities at the end, which I think is really cool. There's a lot of like science activities, um, as well as often there's something to, there's like a baking uh, or something to cook uh, and then like they're talking about have a have a winter solstice party for the birds and it's like how to make little bird treats mm. you know different cute cute little things but there's usually about like four to five activities in the back which I really like um, 
It's even like having, you know, make a winter sunrise sunset chart for the determined uh, child who needs an, it's a good activity to keep take up some time um, to like mark every day when the sun is going down for older kids, you know, or me- measuring shadows, um, things like that, which I think is really cool. I love, love a good science, some science uh, and what do you call it? Interdisciplinary English and science. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, but yeah, I really, I really like this series. Um, I think like for someone like me, like I will tell you right now, science and history were never my favorite subjects. Um, I also had bad history teachers. Uh, I hope none of them are listening right now. Um, <laughs> but it was, you know, it was a lot of old white men just like talking at me. Mm-hmm. There were no pictures. There were no, you know, it was just like, and it was always like the first class in the morning. I would just fall asleep. Uh, anyway, that's, you know, a little bit into my life. Uh, but anyway, all of that to say that for me, like I, I find this book interesting as someone who's like not like I think they managed to make science and history a little more engaging maybe for people who are not as interested in it Um, because it even though it is like a nonfiction book I think that it you know it brings it to uh, you know like it sort of brings it down to a kid's level like saying like fright like it's you know you can't play out out, you know you can't play outside after dinner anymore and like that's annoying or whatever like I feel like it sort of um, has this kind of rapport. in the way that that the writing uh works um i also you know i i like my other way to go is our you know i like that they talk about celebrations from all over the world and also like where those modern day traditions come from because i find that really interesting too and i think it's fun that connection throughout history to be like oh like ancient romans were doing a thing that we still do (laughs) that's pretty cool right um very cool yeah and then I, you know, I really like the illustrations. This book has a different illustrator than the other book. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to check the other two. I'm not sure when that, if every book has a different illustrator or if somewhere along the line, the illustrator just changed. Um, but uh, the illustrations in this are really like soft um, and really beautiful. Um, they're almost like, like, I feel like if you drew something and then sort of like put a blender over it, you know what I mean? Like the edges are just really like, there's no hard edges, if that makes sense from an artistic perspective, right. which like tr- tracks for winter for me. It's just like, I don't know. It reminds me of like this soft snowfall or like, I don't know. There's something about the illustration style that makes sense for this book. Um, and of course I always love some activities as I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Um, the only really room to grow I have is like everybody in this book is white. Um like i mean with the exception of they they talk about uh when they're talking about specific parts of the world like right they're talking about in china so there's people who you know track as chinese or like there's um they're talking about different parts of the world but like when it's just like a family eating dinner everybody's white when it's just like kids playing you know or whenever there's it's like modern day scenes um everybody's white able-bodied so that could uh could maybe use some revamping if they ever read it you know there's like even a scene where it's like you know a family visiting another family for what looks like christmas and just like every like come on there's like two families you could have made one of them a different color like you had a good chance there (laughs) right right um so so yeah that to me was a little bit of a like wah wah um but overall, I still think it's a good, it's a good book. I like, again, I like, you know, that sort of intersectionality of science um, and history there. So I think, you know, for a kid who's interested in that, um, I think that could be really good. Right. Cool. Can I, can I give a little, uh, can I give yeah. a plug right now while we're yes. talking about books called The Shortest Day? There is another book called mm-hmm. The Shortest Day. Are you covering this one? 
I'm not. Okay. There's another title called The Shortest Day. It's actually, it's a poem written by Susan Cooper, who is the author mm-hmm. of the Dark is Rising, the Dark is Rising series. Oh, I don't uh, know that. It's like a British, British, like a middle grade and then kind of young adult, like fan mm-hmm. series. It's very amazing. Oh, cool. And um, she wrote a poem called The Shortest Day, um, I guess, uh, for an event that happens annually up in Cambridge in Boston or, you know, mm. outside of Boston in Cambridge, um, kind of a Harvard Square tradition. And then Carson Ellis, who is uh, a Caldecott honor winning illustrator who illustrated um, the Wildwood Chronicles and um, the Mysterious Benedict Society. So um, Carson Ellis's art, she is Canadian born, but I believe lives in Oregon and is, has a very mm-hmm. like distinctive, um, like whim- whimsical art style. Um, but in this book, just illustrated this poem that Susan Cooper had written years ago. Um, and it's like very haunting um, and evocative um, and beautiful. So I, I was just going to share a little bit of the poem. Um, mm-hmm. It begins, and so the shortest day came and the year died. And everywhere down the centuries of the snow white world came people singing, dancing to drive the dark away. They lighted candles in the winter trees. They hung their homes with evergreen they burned beseeching fires all night long to keep the year alive. Mm. Um, that's just the, the beginning of the poem. And so Carson Ellis um, illustrates illustrates that poem really beautifully. Yeah, I'm looking at the illustrations right now. They're beautiful. Yeah, yeah like the very uh, uh, painterly like, and yeah. uh, less, less kind of delicate um, than her usual work. These have a lot of like strong uh strong like muted colors but like a lot of yeah. rich, rich color uh like texture mm-hmm. but it still has that kind of same soft feeling that i was talking about definitely. like soft edges yeah definitely um so i could see having this be part of a, a tradition of sitting around on a you know dark winter night kind of um drinking drinking hot cider <laughs> this poem mm-hmm. like, annually as a family and some of the kids being like oh are we reading that book again <laughs> secretly like looking forward to that tradition you know yeah thank you for sharing that one it's funny because I I had seen that I had seen it when I was looking up this book because obviously they have the same title uh well this one has it's like the shortest day celebrating the winter solstice so slightly different titles um enough that they get away with it right uh but obviously you know when I was looking it up I did see that one as well and um I'm glad to learn more about it yeah that both have both of them on your shelf people yes (laughs) I don't know why it's making me like that they're both the shortest days making me think about like you know when every church is like the first I'm like (laughs) how are you the first Presbyterian church when there are like 20 of them (laughs) oh my gosh it's funny Kat actually asked me because she grew up my wife grew up uh Catholic and um so she was asking about that she's like we because we live near a church that's like the first Baptist or whatever denomination it is and she was like I don't understand how they can be the first and I was like neither do I and I grew up in a first Presbyterian like I I don't know uh the first one like on this block maybe um (laughs) what it means it's the first one (laughs) like when you're like you're my favorite person with red hair in this room wearing a green shirt like very specific (laughs) the fondness runs deep with that one (laughs) oh my gosh um 
But anyway, uh, I want to move on to talking about my next book, which I love this book. I found it actually, this was a library find. I, I very much miss shout out to the library in Ville Saint Laurent, Quebec. I love that library so much. And we used to live right down the block from this library. And like, they knew me there. I would have like 80 books out at a time, like 40 on my card and 40 on cats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, I would be that person with a stack higher than me, you know? Um, but uh, they, I found this book there and it's called A World of Cookies for Santa. Follow Santa's tasty trip around the world. Um, you know, anything about food, you got me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, it's by M.E. Furman and illustrated by Susan Gal. And it is published by Houghton Mifflin Harcourt. And basically, uh, this book sort of takes the reader on a trip around the world to about 30 countries. It's like pretty lengthy um, and talks about sort of uh, what treats kids traditionally leave for Santa, his reindeer, and sometimes others in addition, uh, you know, because um, so, like here, I, I don't think they mentioned this in the book, but here we have like, in addition to Santa, there's like a winter fairy that comes with Santa. Hmm um Fée des Etoiles the star fairy she's called um so it talks about like different traditions as well or like what also like what Santa is called right in different places or like um my favorite is I forget what country I think I have it marked in here uh but there's one country where translated it's just Christmas man and I don't know why I think that's so funny he doesn't even have a name he's just Christmas man a superhero yeah Christmas man he flies in the sky delivering gifts. Um, tracks. Yeah, it's good. Uh, and then it also talks sort of about related traditions and things in each of those countries. And um, and and in the back, my favorite part, there's recipes for like a ton of the different cookies and treats that they talk about, which I think is so cool. Uh, I love love those recipes. Um, so you know, my uh, so I just want to like read a couple a couple of excerpts that I thought were particularly interesting or funny. So in Australia, Santa Claus uses his magic key to open the front door when he visits children. He leaves a small he, he leaves small gifts in a sack or stocking by their bedrooms and bigger gifts under the tree. Their gift to him is crispy fruit-filled white Christmas treats and because it's summer, a cool glass of milk or beer. Boys and girls are who are too excited to sleep might hear the sound of the bell uh of the bell santa rings as he leaves their home um i thought that one was fun oh also (laughs) this totally tracks for japan uh in japan uh hotiyosha brings gifts and fortunes to children they believe he has eyes on the back of his head so that he can watch the children who are misbehaving i was like that sounds so japanese (laughs) um after he like very cute but also a little creepy um after he leaves their gifts on their pillow, Hotiyosha enjoys no offense, no offense to our Japanese listeners. Yeah, no, not at all. Um, but like, I know, I guess like I know a lot of like, I, I listen to a podcast called Spirits um, that is all about like sort of like creepy, not always creepy, but like lore from different places and oh, Japanese okay. lore is always a little little creepy to me. Oh, okay, okay. I like that. Thank you. It has that little edge. Yeah, it has that little edge um not that you know japan is inherently creepy japan is like very cute actually in a lot of ways mm-hmm. um but i feel like it has that sort of often in their lore there's like a little bit of a darker edge to it got it at got least it. from my from my western perspective um but at any rate so uh, he enjoys a a slice of strawberry topped christmas cake the children put out for him um i'm trying to think what oh he gets uh he gets chai tea in india which i appreciate 
Um, what was the other one that I thought was funny? Where is this? I got to flip to my pages. Oh, and then, you know, they're talking about in, Ru in Russia is one of those countries that also like, um, uh, grandfather Frost brings the snow maiden with him. So that's another country where they have like, you know, a different person who comes. Uh, I also appreciate that in, uh, where is it? Oh, here it is in Ireland. Uh, uh, Santa also gets a pint of Guinness, which I love. Yeah, I'm, um, I'm definitely down with, with some of these traditions that incorporate right? a nice hearty beverage <laughs> for, uh, for Santa, for a winter man. Yeah, quote unquote, Santa. Man. <laughs> Christmas man. Um, oh my gosh. But yeah, so, oh wait, my, okay, my absolute favorite, the last page, because it sort of goes throughout the world in order of, you know, where Santa stops would be. And the last page is Hawaii. Hawaiian children won't hear the sound of hoofs on their roofs, but they might see Santa's footprints in the sand where he hopped off the surfboard pulled by a dolphin. That is my favorite. <laughs> my absolute favorite. Like, I just can't. Like, is he in, like, I'm imagining him, like, in, like, a surfer suit, you know? Like, oh, but it's, like, but it's, like, the Christmas it's outfit. Right, it's uh -huh. Right? <laughs> yes, there's sunglasses involved, for sure. Oh, my gosh. But, uh, but anyway, I just, like, I get a kick out of reading this book. I think it's so interesting and so funny. And um, a lot of the traditions are just, like, really fascinating. Uh, and I, I think um by by nature of it being you know all over the world like the book is just beautifully culturally and racially diverse i also really like that the depiction of santa uh reflects the countries that he's in mm. um so right if we're in africa like santa's black <laughs> um i also i also really appreciate that um in spain like i don't know why but it's just like the most spanish like he has like a little beret on and like a glass of water like <laughs> it's it's like so european it's so funny and like somehow like his beard is even like cropped a little bit like his hair is a little cropped. like i don't know he just looks very european i can't explain it <laughs> santa yes exactly um, um yeah, actually i love i love this artist um susan gal uh mm -hmm. the, the art is really beautiful like a little bit of a vintage quality at least mm -hmm. uh, and like like a very graphic design style like i mm -hmm. Like the art is, is really, um, really rich. Yeah. And I know this is just like me from an art, art perspective, but like the pages are really well composed. Like the composition <laughs> of the pages is really satisfying to someone like who has an art background. I'm just like, oh yeah. Like that's so be well balanced. Like <laughs> totally. I mean, that makes a huge difference. The design. Yeah. 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 Even, I think even if you're not like, you know, uh, privy to those things you can still like you look at something like i think the layman can still look at something and be like something feels off here you know what i mean yes. like i th i think that it you know it's just like the, the illustrations like you said are really rich and really beautiful um and again a uh, big way to go for me is that there's recipes in the back and not just like one or two there's like maybe six or eight mm. there's like a lot of recipes um which i think it's really fun and you, you know you can try different things um and also shout out uh when santa at the end of the trip, Santa goes to Canada and they stop at Montreal, Quebec. Aww. A lot of the places in Canada. So shout out to Montreal. I thought that was so funny. And then it was funny because I went to Cat and was like, do you know they're called hermit cookies that they make? And I was like, do you know about these cookies? And she was like, I have no idea what they're talking about. They're basically just a slightly different kind of chocolate chip cookie. She's like, we leave chocolate chip cookies. I'm like, oh, well, that's, it's the same thing, apparently. <laughs> um, she was like, wow, we don't call them that. We just call them chocolate chip cookies. 
<laughs> which, which makes you wonder uh, if, if uh, how, like, like how accurate. Yeah. Well, I also like. I have to say that that's coming. I would have to talk to some anglophones um, because she's coming from speaking French, uh, mm-hmm. where they, that might not translate. Like maybe hermit cookies is what they call them in English. I'm not sure. Right. I don't right. um, have not have not interviewed <laughs> anglophones here. Um, but yeah, I would be curious. Uh, but she said that no. Once I told her, I was like, no, it looks like a chocolate chip cookie. Like we looked at the recipe in the back of the book. It's basically a chocolate chip cookie. Right, right. Um, but maybe with some slightly different things than you'd find in your traditional chocolate chip right. cookie. She was like, okay, that tracks. Um, uh, but but yeah, the old. Oh, go, oh ahead. go ahead. I was just gonna say no, we don't we don't we don't take when like these. I, I love these kind of overview, kind of like multicultural mm-hmm. celebration, like as an introduction for kids to kind of get. Like, like we're always talking about how to, how to kind of bend their brain that the world does not center mm-hmm. around them and how different people celebrate, have different traditions. Yeah, but we take times. them as, as, you know, 100% factual, you know, we don't know. Right. We got to do our own research. Right, exactly. And, so and if someone this- from that culture is like, that's not what we do, then like, believe them. Don't be exactly. like, they read it in a children's book. Once. Right. If it's not, if, right. If uh, folks are not, folks in Hawaii aren't all making pineapple macadamia bars, we yeah, respect right. that that is probably true. But maybe some family is, and it's fun to fun to think about surfboard Santa with his uh, pineapple macadamia bars. That's my new like Santa. Like I adopt <laughs> this Santa. I love this Santa. Seth, Plus. that is cultural appropriation. Do in Montreal get to have surfboard Santa. Uh, but I can imagine that Santa looks like that. That's what I'm saying. Right, right. Is that I can imagine that like that's yeah. So I we take that. this as a as a, a survey, and then we go deeper into each tradition yes. and and get other perspectives from definitely. own voices perspectives. Yes, definitely. Um, <laughs> I the only really the only room to grow for this book, um, aside from what we were just talking about with like, I am not. Um, you know, familiar with all of these 30 cultures that they talk about. And I, uh, I'm not here to say whether or not those are all completely accurate. I would hope that they did their research. Like I'm sure they, you know, did some research and didn't make all of this up. Um, but yeah. you know, I would hope, I would hope that it's, you know, accurate, but, um, aside, aside from that sort of like caveat of make sure you're doing your, your research, if you want to dig deeper into it. Um, uh, the only thing I could see maybe being a an obstacle for some kids is it's a bit long. Like I said, it's about 30 different cultures, mm-hmm. uh, countries. Um, so, you know, maybe this is something where like you read it, you read one night for all of December, you read one country um, or, you know, you do something like that. Or, I mean, for the kids who can fit through it, like, great. Um, but this might be one that you could split up a little bit, yeah. but I could see it almost being like an advent book. Read one for oh, every December. Yeah, that's such a good idea. Um, and also, I think I think really the best way to get to the bottom of whether or not this uh, this book is one hundred percent accurate uh, mm-hmm. is to open up a Radchild podcast PO box and have folks make the cookies and send them to us. <laughs> so that we yeah we can send us the cookies from your your culture. Get a taste <laughs> of uh, these traditional. <laughs> that's oh that okay that's my new side podcast right. i would like people to please send me foods from different places right <laughs> we, uh you know dash my son uh dash had like a, a multi-cult one of those days where it's like celebrating mm-hmm. your family your family background or your heritage or whatever mm-hmm. which i i think is problematic in a lot of ways and i think that mm-hmm. schools don't always handle 
those uh, kind of celebrations with a lot. Mm. There's a way to do it well. Schools don't always do it well. Yeah. Um, but we did make, he is very Norwegian on my husband's mm. side. And um, so we, I did kind of look up um, traditional Norwegian cookies and we made something called um, sand buckles, which is essentially mm. like a shortbread cookie, but it was mm-hmm. funny because I am a, a, a consummate thrifter and a consummate kind of antique antiquer and and finder of random weird treasures and so I was looking up this recipe and I was like wait a minute I have the little molds for these sandwiches (laughs) I like bought them at the goodwill not knowing what the hell they were but saw that they were like nice high quality and clearly well loved and made in Norway and they've been sitting in my cabinet waiting for this moment so it is, it's fun to tap into that kind I of thing. I love that so much. I think my favorite time that I did something like that, where like everybody brought something from their culture was like when I was in my, um, my Francisation classes, which are basically the, the French classes that the Quebec government will, they pay you a small stipend, a weekly stipend to, for immigrants to learn French. Oh, right. And so it was really people who were coming directly from other countries. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, oh, my great, great grandfather was from Italy. And like, I Googled how to make lasagna, you know what I mean? Which is often what's happening in those, like, it was like, literally like, no, this is just something I make every day. You know, but like a lot of people were coming from China and a lot of people were coming from India and um, Syria. So and actually one of the people in our class was a baker back in Syria. So like, oh, my God, those desserts were so good. Um, (laughs) But it was really it was really fun to like just try like this is just like your everyday food for you. You know what I mean? But like to me, it's like something I've never, you know, would never make or have never heard of. So that was like and I actually it's really funny. It was totally self-centered. I was like, for our end of your party, we should we should do that where we should all make because I was like, I just want to try all this good food. (laughs) and I I think that for adults because adults um not not every adult but many adults have at least built their own history yeah they have a history of life from which to draw Mm. Um, whereas when you're asking kids to do that um first of all puts a huge burden on parents to have to yeah and and find the time resources and the money resources to kind of do this um, but also um, for kids who are, you know, experiencing homelessness, kids who are in foster care, kids who don't really have a, a strong yeah, to, like, so a, a family history for for um, whatever reason, I think it can be excluding. But anyway, well, yeah, I so I think, yeah, I think no, no, I think I agree with you. I think often um, there are these things that we do that miss the mark, like when we're like, oh, it's the same idea of when we're like, oh, let's celebrate Mother's Day. And we're not thinking about people who don't have mothers. <laughs> like, exactly. you, you know what I mean? It's just like, there's this, uh, it's not to say that you can't do it, but you got to really think about everybody when you do it. Yes. There's a way yeah. to do those things with yes. intentionality and make everyone feel included and respected. Um, and there's a, there's a way to kind of do it in a, to not, <laughs> To, <laughs> to just not to do it. Okay, don't miss, do it. Miss the mark. To miss the mark. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm going to talk about my last book, book, and then I have two quick uh, honorary mentions. Okay. Um, but my my last book is called Sue Duvali, and it is by Chitra Soundar and illustrated by Charlene Tua. Um, and it is published by Albert Whitman and Co. Uh, and it's basically just this cute rhyming story about how one uh, family celebrates Duvali. And it's actually really short, so I'm just going to read through it real quick. Um, and then we can talk about it a little bit. Um, so it's it starts, Grandpa watches the waning moon. The festival is coming soon. 
Our house must look its very best. Diwali's here, no time to rest. We hang buntings of mango leaves. They welcome gods, Grandma believes. Rangoli art dispels the gloom. It brings sparkle to every room. We wear new clothes to mark the cheer. We have waited all through the year. Time for stories about our gods who fought evil against all odds. We ring the bells the dark, this darkest night. We sing the hymns, chant, and recite. The moon is new as night descends. We light the lamps with all our friends. We exchange gifts and homemade sweets. We greet our neighbors on the streets. Fireworks whiz, shimmer, and glow. The skies brighten in the sparkly show. Dinner's ready. It's full of treats. We stay awake as night retreats. It's good fortune the new year brings. To, it's lucky to start brand new things. Soup Diwali to one and all. We wish you joy big and small. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's just this really sweet. I, I think uh, I really like the rhyme scheme in this one. I think it's just like a really cute book. And it, and it gets the point across about what happens during Diwali. Um, and uh, I, my sort of uh, way to go, I have, I have several. Uh, I think there's, what I really like is there's diversity across the board in this, in this book, like the, you know, the family who's celebrating uh, is Indian, but they're, you know, having over friends and neighbors who are seemingly not Indian. Um, and it actually sort of tracks with what I learned about the holiday when, when we had um, uh, uh, Ajanta on to talk about Diwali. Um, she was saying that it's like, basically everybody is welcome to celebrate, like come celebrate with us. That's great. Um, and so I, I think that, uh, you know, that sort of makes, makes a lot of sense from, you know, what I, what I learned about the holiday that they were, you know, having people over friends over to celebrate who didn't necessarily, uh, typically celebrate. Um, and then in the, on the page where they're like, where it says, you know, we exchange gifts and homemade sweets, we greet our neighbors on the streets there, you know, there's people of all different uh, races who they're giving gifts to, and there's someone in a power chair, um, uh, as well. So there's a little bit of, uh, ability, uh, representation there um and it's just like it's simple but like it says what it needs to say which i i love like it's not um going over uh you know it's not your deep dive into diwali um but there are other books that do that right. so i think this is a really great just like touching on the different things that happen and then there's uh there's also great uh back matter in this book that talks a little deeper about that there are five days of Diwali. So it talks about specifically in the book, it doesn't say like day one, we do this day two, we do that. But in the back of the book, it explains sort of what happens on each day. And there's a little glossary as well. Um, so yeah, I, I really don't have any, any room to gross for this book. I love this book. I think it's really cute. The illustrations are really sweet. Um, and I think it was, we, uh, we used it. I used it with uh, the kids when we learned about Diwali a little bit. And I think it was like, great for that toddler age where like they don't have a huge like I'm not going to be reading a world of cookies for Santa straight through with them for sure <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't quite have the attention span for that but this book I think was uh, great and I, I always think it's funny too when I'm with the kids I'm like and I'll have them like especially Nora uh, one of the twins she'll like repeat she's like a little parrot she repeats everything so she'll be like Rangoli Dia like she'll be saying all of the like vocab That's <laughs> But it, it's funny because we made for Sukkot, we, we made a little cardboard sukkah together. And um, it was so funny. She was going around the whole day, pointing to it, going, sukkah, sukkah. I'm like, yes, <laughs> success. That's very cool. Um, but anyway, yeah, I like this one. I think it's like a little quick, uh, quick intro and it's just beautiful. Yeah, the illustrations um, are really sweet. And I love that it's yeah. a family, um, the whole family pitching in to help clean the house. So yes. Yeah. Um, uh, 
children and grown-ups and grandparents and boys and girls and so there's a dog throughout the story and it's really funny because when they're cleaning the house the dog is sneezing and every time we go to that page Nora goes dog achoo (laughs) (laughs) Um, but there's also a page where uh everyone is playing cards and the dog is also playing cards and is like laid out a flush and has won. Oh, that is me. I, I, I love that. I think that is so, I think that is so fun. Cause that's also the little things that are in there for the adults. Um, too, where right. you're just like, ha ha dogs playing cards. Like kids think it's funny too, but like, I don't know. There's little things in there that I'm like, ha ha, that's funny. Um, I mean, yeah, I really, I really like that one. It has those little kind of fun little things in it too. Um, and, and then the last, so the last two that I want to talk about real quick, one is actually a series, um, that they have for a ton of holidays, um, and it's called holidays around the world. So it would be like holidays around the world, celebrate Hanukkah, celebrate Diwali, celebrate whatever. Um, and, uh, they, so they have them for, for various holidays, almost all the ones we've talked about, if not all of them. Um, and, uh, basically it's so there's various authors right it'll be someone who celebrates that um that holiday and then uh it's it's actually photographs so it's by various photographers and they're nonfiction books by national geographic um and they're basically just about uh various holidays how they're celebrated and their origin and it talks a little bit about it in the end it has activities and recipes as well um and they yeah they exist for all sorts of celebrations so i definitely if you're looking for something more like nonfiction, um i would definitely recommend that you check that out and like i said it has pictures of you know actual people celebrating um those holidays which is nice um and they tend to be like i have the one on hanukkah in front of me and it and it is pretty um good as far as like it shows you know not everybody in this book is a white person um there's lots of different you know types of judaism that are being shown here um and they they tend to be really good about that uh national geographic so yeah i definitely recommend that series um, the only like kind of down, I don't know, call it a downside. They're not like as fluid as far as a book, to, like a read along book, like a read aloud. Mm-hmm. Um, they are a little bit kind of all over the place and they have like asides um, and sort of stuff like that. So it's maybe not like for like a classroom read aloud kind of book. Um, but I, I mean, I still read them to the kids and they haven't complained yet. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then the last one I wanted to mention um, we actually had uh, the author of this book on uh, our episode about winter celebrations, Leslie Kimmelman, um, who was, uh, it was a pleasure to talk to. Uh, but she recently wrote a book called The Eight Nights of Hanukkah, Nights as in Nights of the Round Table. Um, and uh, and it's, it's just this really cute book about eight eight knights um, who basically help, help save Hanukkah. There's like a dragon and there's this whole situation. And it really just like, as opposed to talking, well, while there are, uh, you know, different elements of Hanukkah happening in the book. It's more like a book that captures the spirit of the holiday. Um, but it's just really cute. And the knights are all various genders and races, um, which I really like. I'm also as a short person, I'm like, yeah, there's like short people in this book. <laughs> it's like a of different heights. Cause sometimes it's like every, there's racial diversity, but everybody's the same height. And I'm just like, what is this Broadway? What is this a Broadway <laughs> chorus line? Get out of here. Um, 
but anyway uh so yeah i really i, I really like that one as well once you give it a quick shout out um, oh that's, I, that's delightful yeah it's a really it's a really fun one um and the illustrations are really sweet and it's just you know they're sort of going around helping people with their different problems and then at the, at the end um this big dragon ends up being this tiny dragon and like her i don't know i think that her name like they're calling this dragon dreadful the dragon or whatever and at the end she's like actually my name is rosie and she like lights the menorah for them with her like fire breath and celebrates hanukkah with them it's very cute my children i'm counting on you to fix things with some deeds of awesome kindness and stupendous bravery oh i love it (laughs) yeah it's very sweet um so yeah i definitely recommend that and that's a new one as well that just came out yeah september 2020 Oh my gosh, these knights actually say, this is fantastic, challenge accepted. Yes. (laughs) I will tame tame the dragon, said Sir Isabella. Stupendous bravery is my specialty, added Sir Ruglash, his mouth full of cookies. Rugula. Rugula. Which is a kind of cookie. (laughs) There you go, thank you. Um, (laughs) Hi, mommy, said Sir Henry. Off the night road. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's a really cute book. I like it a lot. Um, and uh, and it does sort of like you learn a little bit about like one person, you know, the, the dragon has burnt their dreidel. So, um, you know, Sir Alex, you know, picks up a wood and carves carves a new dreidel and they're talking, you know, but he's but they're saying like, oh, carved, you know, Nun first and then Gimel and then, hey, so you're learning about like the different symbols on the on the dreidel, right? Uh, you know, and what it stands for and, and things like that. Um, so but yeah, it's it's a really definitely not your traditional uh, Hanukkah book, but definitely a really, a really fun spin on the story. Tongue firmly in cheek, delightful uh, (laughs) tale. Yeah, this is one. This is a Latin read as well. Right after the the calming tradition of the shortest day, then you pull out the, the eight night. (laughs) Yeah. Have a laugh. Yes, exactly. Um, but anyway, uh, I would love to hear about your books. Oh, all right. Um, well, I will start with the uh, the book that I wanted to just give a shout out. It's a it's a classic, but I think that it is it's worth uh, giving some love. Um, it is called Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins, and it is written by Eric Kimmel and illustrated by Trina Shart Hyman. And it was originally published in Cricket Magazine for Children in 1995. Mm. Um, and Trina Shart Hyman was the the art director for Cricket Magazine, and she is a a ph- phenomenal illustrator. Um, she was originally born in Pennsylvania, and then spent time in Boston and Sweden, and then um, ultimately lived in in Lyme, New Hampshire, and was the art director for Cricket Magazine for decades. Um, and her work is um, just the I don't even know how to describe her art. I'm not someone who can very talk very eloquently about art, but um, her work has such a distinctive style. Like the her faces, you can absolutely tell that it's a Trina Shart Hyman when you see her work. And I was first introduced to her art because of a, a series of British, uh, a British series about a family called the Bagthorps, who are this like uh, very kind of uh, 
genius family that's always getting into wild scrapes. And uh, (laughs) she did the the cover art for these books and I just fell in love with her style, um, the expressiveness of her faces um, and also kind of the detail, but like the very sparing of line, right? It's not like overly drawn, but she just has a way of capturing emotion, Mm. um, capturing facial expressions um, with so much, so much light. And Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins was written by Eric A. Kimmel, um, who is the author of over 150 books for children. That's a lot of books. Yes. And whenever authors are that prolific, I'm like, (laughs) what? How do you like have time to eat or sleep or? Right? Wow. A lot of... Uh, so um, impressive. Yeah. And I, what I love, so um, he is the five-time winner of the National Jewish Book Award. And he has awarded the Sidney Taylor Lifetime Achievement Award by the Association wow. of Jewish Libraries. Um, and so a lot of his books um, are... Um, so he was influenced by his grandmother, um, mm. who lived with them growing up in Brooklyn. And he says um, in an interview with... Uh, that he did with the PJ library. Uh, I love PJ library. Gosh, Ugh. yes. Um, he says, I love Jewish stories. My grandma lived with us when I was growing up. She didn't speak much English, although she spoke five other languages. She didn't like the way English sounded, like barking dogs, she said. That's, me too, grandma, me too. <laughs> so I mostly spoke to her in Yiddish. She came to the U.S. in 1906, before World War One and Two swept away traditional Jewish life in Europe. That let me see Jewish life as it was before the storm. Proud, joyous, wise, and often very funny. Um, and he also, he goes on to say, Grandma was a good storyteller. That's where I first heard stories of Herschel Ostropoler and the people of Chelm. She also told lots of scary stories of ghosts, goblins, and devils. That's what started me off as a writer, though I hardly realized Mm. at the time. Um, And so, yeah, so he says that he never encountered a lot of like kind of Jewish materials, Jewish stories, um, kind of Jewish-centered books in public schools or in the libraries where he grew Mm. up. Um, Although he did attend, um, he says, the East Midwood Jewish Center where he got um, a solid grounding in in those stories, but in kind of his everyday mm. navigating of the world, he found a real gap, right? A gap yeah. in representation. What uh, happens? And then you got to just make yeah. it. And then, so then he he grew up and uh, and filled that gap. And he has um, written so many books. Some of them, like very specifically, like Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblin, um, the Golems, Lockies, like some that are very when Mindy saved Hanukkah. Some that are like very. Um, <laughs> kind of uh, uh, holiday-centric, right? That kind of weave in information about particular holidays, but others are just, um, uh, you know, uh, like uh, have just, um, are just stories, right? Yeah. All, I think, who was it? One of the books that we read said, uh, one of the authors that we t- that we touched upon in our, our Jewish or Judaism episode said, like, even if I'm not writing specifically a quote unquote Jewish story, like I am Jewish and like that goes there for my stories. Yes, exactly. It's just like, it is part of my work. It's part of my perspective. So um, I think that Eric Kimmel brings that particularly because of his like interest in, in bringing representation, Mm. um, um, you know, kind of adding to that collection of, of Jewish representation and stories that he, 
he does. That just me. makes me think about my, I cannot remember who it was. It was, there was some comedian that, uh, that after I was like reading an interview with and they were like, yeah, somebody was mad afterwards that like my thing wasn't queer enough. And I was like, okay, but I'm doing it. So it's queer. Like I don't need to be constantly being like queer this queer. Like if I'm saying it, then it's like, it's queer enough. Like, right. Right. I don't know. And that, <laughs> but, you know, like, yeah, that goes back. And I think it was last week when we were talking about um, the story that featured the two, um, the two fathers where there was a, a critic who said like, it's not an, it, like, it's not an own voices book. And there's like really nothing there's like nothing queer about this story, you know? What story was that? That was the um, the adoption, the book, um, Vera Williams. Oh, 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 oh. By Chris Rashka. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the critiques was that like it was a story of two dads, but there didn't seem to be any of that. Mm. Like there just seemed to be. And we ta- then you talked about how um, – kind of how the opposite was true in when Aiden became a brother. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where right. it was like very obvious to me as a queer person that like a queer person had written. Right. Book. Right. Yeah. So it's just yeah. like who gets to like that, which is why it's obviously like so critically important, not only to have own voices books that mm. are like kind of covering, like we talk about kind of more problem stories or, or informational texts, but also just that there are, there's room for own voices books that just tell quote unquote, stories. every stories. Yeah. yeah story <laughs> otherwise known as life otherwise known as story right yeah well that's what like this what you were saying about this where it's like some of them are uh you know specifically about like you know let's say jewish holidays or whatever but some of them are like even if that person is just telling a story about going to the grocery store it's still going to have that lens exactly you know and what that. a rich lens it is mr mr eric kimmel um so yeah, we'll put we'll put this interview with um with with Kimmel in the from the PJ Library. We'll put that in our show notes, um, and then also there's a beautiful ode to um, Trina Shart Hyman in Cricket Magazine that talks about her work as the as the art director there. That's really beautiful. So um, yeah, we'll include all that information. But now now to the story itself. Um, so Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins. It is the story of a a man um, named Herschel of Ostropol uh, who has arrived in a town. And it's interesting because um, Kimmel doesn't really talk about the fact, although he mentioned he mentions it in the interview. Herschel of Ostropol was a real person who lived in the Ukraine and served. Mm. It's kind of like a trickster character, like a trickster okay. folk hero type of person. And so there are... Um, Herschel tales like people tell oh, okay. about Herschel some that are based in like tall tales you know um some that are based in truth and some he's like taken on this kind of folk hero mythical kind of character um and so in this story oh and also actually um the Herschel tales were compiled into a collection in 1998 and I think were recently re-released so you can get a whole storybook about Herschel of Ostropol. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. So in this story, Herschel arrives in, in town and he's expecting to see kind of the lights of the first night of Hanukkah, like mm-hmm. the candles and the menorah burning in all the windows. But instead, the town is um, dark and cold and dreary. 
um, and kind of so like Montreal today. <laughs> um and so he's like isn't tonight the first night of hanukkah and they're like oh we don't have hanukkah herschel um and he they say it's because of the goblins they haunt the old synagogue at the top of the hill they hate hanukkah whenever we i love this premise of a story (laughs) i'm in whenever they try to light whenever they try to um whenever we try to light a menorah the goblins blow out the candle they break our dreidels they throw our (laughs) on the floor uh those wicked goblins i I love this idea of hanukkah hating goblins like i'm I'm old. Right? <laughs> the, those wicked goblins make our lives miserable all year long, but on Hanukkah, it's really bad. <laughs> <laughs> this poor town is just haunted by these goblins. Um, right? The, the struggles of, of the village are really, oh, really bad. And so Herschel is like, I'm not afraid of goblins. Like, tell me how to get rid of them. And then so the the rule, of course, there's an elderly person who knows exactly how to stop a mm-hmm, goblin, mm-hmm. but no one in the village has done this yet. Um, that you must spend eight nights in the old synagogue. The Hanukkah candles must be lit each night. On the eighth night, the king of the goblins must light them himself. That is the only way to break their power. <laughs> And so everyone knows this about goblins. I play Dungeons and Dragons. Let me tell you, this is true. Knowledge. And so Herschel (laughs) goes up to the synagogue and it's like it's up in these these pictures, like they're dark and dreary, but then they're Mm -hmm. like um Trina Schartheimann is like one of the um, you know, she's like Rubens, like her 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 use of Mm -hmm. like the way that she evokes light, which obviously is like such a wonderful imagery for a story about Hanukkah and a story about the Jewish faith and Jewish people. Um, so she is, she, she just does a phenomenal job bringing this, this story to life. Um, and so he goes up and he, he strikes a match and lights the candle, like the candle, he says the blessing. And then, um, basically over the course of the eight nights or over the course of, of the, of, right. So over the course of the nights, he's visited by a series of goblins and the goblins start like very small. The first one is just like kind of this buzzing little, little obnoxious little gnat that's purple with wings, kind of looks like a bat with like gangly legs. And so <laughs> he needs to outwit them. And so each night he is, um, he is using his wits and his cleverness to trick the goblins into kind of leaving him alone um, so that he can continue to light uh, the menorah each night. And so the first night he pretends like a rock is an egg, or sorry, an egg is a rock. So he's like, I can crush this rock with my strength. And this little <laughs> goblin's like, oh my gosh, you're so strong and buzzes away. <laughs> Love your goblin voice. That's a good goblin voice. Dim light. Uh, he, the goblin thinks that Herschel has just crushed a rock with his bare hands. Um, and then he tricks a goblin into getting his own hand stuck in a pickle jar because the goblin sticks his hand in and tries to grab all the pickles and then can't pull his hand out. <laughs> Been there, like goblin. Do. There. I, I felt very seen by this. That goblin needs one of those little pickle elevators. Have you ever seen those? Yes. <gasps> a, friend yeah. mine, a friend of mine did a whole like Insta Live about like <laughs> the pickle elevator. She was love it. I saved the jars with those. I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I'm like, I I need them. Oh, there's (laughs) there's something to be done for sure. They're gems. They're gems. Um, Anyway. And and then another, he plays dreidel with another goblin and like kind of, like like you said in the past book, like talks about the different, like 
the the way to play dreidel like the rules of the game and the meaning of the different the different terms um and uh and then over the i think it like skips a couple um and then talks about you know just kind of what happens um and there's an image of all the different goblins that have come to visit him but then um suddenly he sat up and this is the um the seventh night right so the uh he had already he'd already gotten the candle lit that night he's finally relaxing and um, it says suddenly he sat up he heard a horrible sound a voice that sounded like the cracking of bones happy hanukkah herschel and hate that and um and then it is like these pictures of this uh this goblin king are very spooky like i believe the first time that i read this to my son he had to cover his eyes like on some of these oh my gosh but like winds like blow open the window shatter the window the menorah is still flickering it's it's you know the candles are still lit and then there's just this horrible picture where he's the next night, the goblin. So the goblin kind of warns him. He's like, "I'm coming tomorrow," and like, this is over, right? So he, there's this whole like terrifying, tense scene. Mm. Um, and so Herschel's trying to think about what he will do to trick, to trick this goblin king. <laughs> the goblin king. Um, and I actually, I'm not going to tell you what happens. I want everyone to read. Oh, oh. I'm <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to give the ending away. You have to read the story to find out how he tricks the god. Oh, man. Um, but just everything about this is just um, the way that the illustrations, uh, or I should say, I'm going to, you have to find out if and how he tricks the Goblin King. Um, but the illustrations just add so much to the story which is already mm. so rich and just like i said the way that trina chart hyman uses light um it just is a very funny and clever but also like poignant and moving <laughs> story um and yeah so that's uh, and the last thing i'll say about herschel and the hanukkah goblins as i was reading this i was like wow, this is interesting. Herschel, it's like he's a he's a trickster and he's clever and he's problem solving and he's using his wits, but he's also like very firm and steadfast in his faith and very like calm. Mm. And I'm like, he's kind of like Ron Swanson. <laughs> <laughs> Herschel is kind of, he's the, he's the Ron Swanson of, uh, of this village. Of I love that. Yes. So, uh, yes, Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins. It's a classic. It won a Caldecott, um, a Caldecott mm, honor um, when it was published so long ago. I think it, I, uh, like I said, it was originally published in Cricket Magazine. I think it was um, published in its own form in 1989 um, and won a Caldecott honor. So it's a well-recognized book and it's just a beautiful, a beautiful book, fun story and worth a worth a read worth an annual I love that thank you for sharing that yeah. I, I need to that just sounds so I don't know why just the premise of that makes me laugh so hard well it's yeah it's just like uh, goblins would be anti-Hanukkah like I could just <laughs> listen I've met goblins in my D&D campaigns and I feel like that tracks yeah they uh, <laughs> they, uh they're just there to suck out the joy right and yeah I, rude and 
Yeah. So yeah, that's our <laughs> town haunted by goblins, but on haunted beds, really bad. <laughs> like usually we can deal with it, but on Hanukkah, oh my god. <laughs> so that's to accompany your the eight nights of Hanukkah for some books that have some humor and kind of a great um, kind of an epic tale, right? Uh, I okay. love that. Yeah. And so the next one I wanted to talk about. Um, is called a pinata in a pine tree mm. or a pinata in a pine tree oh beautiful <laughs> it is a take on um the 12 days of christmas um but it is focused on the celebration um for a family uh, who is spanish speaking and so this is written by Pat Mora. And we actually read a Pat, mm-hmm. a Pat Mora book last, um, uh, recently, on one of our adoption stories, the um, Pedro's Tree uh, was also a Pat Mora story. Pa- so I'm sorry, Pablo's Tree. Pablo's Tree was also a Pat Mora story. Um, and this, this story is um, illustrated by Magali Morales, who is the sister of Susie Morales. Who I was going to ask, any yeah. relation? Yeah, um, and I, I, I also learned, let's see, what did I learn about Magali? And I, I, I we can add the, the citation um, where we talk, where it talks about that, but also she is an artist and a graphic designer who studied at the Universidad de Felt de Dizano. Um, and um, she is based in Mexico where she lives with her husband mm. and two children. And Pat Mora is, um, uh, lives, resides in Texas um, and ca- her grandparents came to El Paso from Northern Mexico. So both are, um, have roots in, in Mexico. Mm. And um, what I like about the story, it's just, it's very sweet. It's, uh, it just, um, it's, a, it's the, the 12 days of Christmas. But okay. um, it is replaced. Let me pull up again. Pull up the right link to make sure that I am um, speaking accurately. Um, instead of um, there are things like um, estralitos sal- saltando, uh, campanitas sonadando, um, pajaritas serenado. Um, so there are, um, and in, there are top spinning and serene birds and little stars jumping, um, and it's just a, a lovely celebration of the kind of imagery and and parts of the holiday um, for at least this family, um, and celebrating their pinata in a pine tree. Uh, and so my way to goes about this story are the art. Um, and so the, the clever rhymes and Magali uh, d- does beautiful art. It's very kind of, um, I can definitely see the similarities between the sisters and their style. It's a lot of like, like broad flowing lines, a lot of movement, um, the expressive faces that, um, that Zuzi also incorporates. Um, in her stories, a lot of bright colors and dynamism. Um, and like the the words on the page, we talked about kind of the importance of design in the books, the words on the page kind of um, flow across the page. And then incorporated into the pages are um, 
our pronunciation guides that I think is really um Mm, I, oh my gosh. I, we talked about this before. I love when there's a pronunciation guide. Yes. Yes. So not because then the books become intimidating sometimes to the point where you don't want to read them because you don't want to butcher a language. Exactly. You know what I, mean? like I did a moment ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like I do with French every time I speak it. So there are there's, there are pronunciation guides. And then at the end, there's also there's that matter that gives um, like a trans like a oh, and at the end, the, the, the whole time, instead of my true love, it's my uh, it's my amiga gave to me. Oh, so I love that. We don't know who the amiga is. It's being referenced. And then at the end. Um, there is uh, a brand new baby who's arrived. Oh, baby! Yeah. Um, so with 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 the parents, there's a new baby that's coming by in a little a little uh, pram. Um, so I think that's the the new um, new amiga in the family. Um, who is bringing all of these things to to the family. Um, mm. um, in in uh, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> adding to the celebration um, if this so, baby doesn't bring me a gift I'm going to be upset exactly. send it back um, <laughs> and so I just I love the life like all like I said like the dynamism of the pages there's just there's all you know and of course it's the 12 days of Christmas so the the pages kind of get busier and busier and busier with all of this different activity um, and it's just really sweet so I, I love um, I love this interpretation of the story and um, all of all of the little details and the illustrations are really wonderful. So yeah, that's a pinata in a pine tree. I and love yeah, that. Twelve days of Christmas is the the complete title. Oh, and I should mention it is published by Clarion Books, and it was published in two thousand nine. Um, mm. Yeah. And so, um, gosh, I don't really have any rooms to grow. It's just, I mean, I guess that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of, I mean, you, I, there, well, I don't have any rooms to grow. Um, it is the story of one family and that we don't have a ton of kind of like body diversity or ability diversity, um, within the family. So I guess there's room in that way, but it is a, um, uh, uh, it is a little a family who reads as um, Latinx or Latino, um, mm-hmm. which is always nice representation to see. Yes, absolutely. I always like when it's kind of like a spin on on something um, with a different lens, and when it's when it's well done, right? Like yes. earlier when you were talking about the book about Diwali, and you're like, "This like I like the rhyme scheme in this book," and it's like, "Yes, a good rhyme scheme is important. It's good. And yes, if you're going to do your spin on it, do it well." And I would say mm-hmm. that it's one of those. Um, yeah. And I just, I love the, I love the opportunity to sing, to sing a holiday story. So this is a go on for that. And then the, the last one that I want to talk about um, is a, another version of the 12 days of Christmas. Um, and this version uh, was written. Well, I shouldn't say written. So the 12 days of Christmas, I did a little research and I found, um, we can link to this article from Vox. Um, so I found that the 12 days of Christmas is, a, is um, that poem has been around since like the 1780s. And it was originally from a Christmas, like a children's Christmas sort of roundup in the 1780s. 
Um, but the version that we are most familiar with is from an English composer named Friedrich Austin, who in 1909 set the melody and modified some of the lyrics um, of the story. So Friedrich Austin is kind of considered to be one of the the authors of the 12 days of Christmas, but it is an old, 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 old poem. Mm. Um, and so this version that I wanted to talk about today was illustrated by Ilonka Karatz. Um, and Ilonka Karatz was an avant-garde designer and a Hungarian immigrant. Um, and she did this version of the 12 days of Christmas. It's out of print right now, but it was published in night in 1949 and it is absolutely gorgeous. Um, it, I, it's shocking to me that it hasn't been republished because it is like a mid-century dream. Um, so she was a, like a graphic designer. Um, and actually according to, um, according to an author, um, writing for hyper allergic, let me pull up my notes. Um, according to Larissa Reinhardt, um, who is a journalist um, writing for Hyperallergic. Um, Reinhardt asserts that despite being a woman whose work was often relegated to the, the domestic sphere, Karat should still have been recognized and commended for her unique innovation within an area of design that had and has an extremely broad reach. So she is someone, um, Karatz, the illustrator for this version of 12 Days of Christmas, um, created magazine covers and textiles and ceramics and metalworks and toys and figures, um, I'm sorry, and furniture, and is, is considered to be an important yet overlooked figure in 20th century design. Um, and so essentially because she was creating like kitchen items and textiles and, you know, linens and um, tea towels. Uh, she is not really given the recognition as the designer that she should have been, which I find is often the case. Um, you know, the, the men in the mid-century were given a lot of credit for being like, you know, you hear about Russell Wright. Um, but I, I'm such a huge fan of like mid-century women designers like Joan Lutz and Dorothy Thorpe um, and Catherine Holm, like all of all of those. Oh, the Heaths, uh, Edith Heath. I love... Um, I love mid-century. Like I said, I love to thrift. I love to find treasures. Um, mid-century um, women designers is one of my passions. So when I stumbled upon this book, right, this is one of my favorite kind of Christmas um, uh, stories or, or songs. Um, you know, I love the uh, the Muppet version is my favorite. <laughs> uh, with a... Uh, What's his name? John Denver. They do a great version of this story. But when I found this, um, basically this like mid-century designerly graphic design style, um, 12 Days of Christmas, I was, I fell in love. Um, and I think, oh, I should say that Reinhardt um, in writing about um, Elonka Karat says, um, as for the diversity of her work, in other contexts, this kind of adaptability is simply called genius. And I could not agree more. So if you can get your hands, I don't know if you've pulled it up, Seth, if you can see the, the image, the cover image of this book, or if you mm -hmm. have, have a copy of it. Um, 
if you can get your hands on it, she just does such a phenomenal job uh, of what's her what's her name? It's Ilonka, I L O N K A, Karatz, K A R A S Z. Um, and so throughout the story, I mean, you know, throughout the song, uh, mm. she manages to pack all in rows, um, all of the all of the various it animals and creatures and people that come on the 12 days of Christmas. So it just gets full. It, oh my gosh. It just gets fuller <laughs> and fuller, right? Like busier and busier. Um, and you can watch like there's very subtle like interaction between the animals, like the way that the birds are moving around the pear tree and then what's happening with the golden rings. Like, and uh, so you can see like the evolution of how all of these creatures are cramming together <laughs> on the page but also it's not um it's not overwhelming like it's 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 everything feels very beautifully like very well spaced everything has room to breathe um even as it gets tighter and tighter <laughs> um and it's just beautiful and i think it would make such a great like large form board book like i said mm. i should to me that it hasn't been republished but it was published by harper and brothers um in 1949. So if you get a wow. chance to track this down at Abe Books or the used book um, purveyor of your choice, I highly recommend finding The 12 Days of Christmas by Ilonka Karatz, who is an overlooked mid-century modern designer that we should all know. Love it. History lesson with our book. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we love that inter- intersectional uh, we genre do. bending. We want to get our science, our history, our art, you know, all, all do love that package. Yeah. So, yeah, those That's are my awesome. books. Those are the books that I wanted to talk about. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I am excited to, you know, have more books that I need to add to my <laughs> collection I know. of books. I literally just gave some away today. I was just like, just take them. <laughs> <laughs> Like there, there were ones that it's funny because there were ones to me that I was like, these aren't even worth giving away. Like these are going to the Goodwill. Like I'm, I'm not, or well, we have Renaissance here, which is a little bit better than like Goodwill or Salvation Army, like um, with their, you know, not homophobia and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they're actually, they're actually really cool because basically their whole like Renaissance, you know, a lot of people know it means rebirth. Um, and basically the idea is like, it's giving the items like a rebirth, but also yeah. they, they hire and pay a fair wage to people. Uh, often a lot of the employees are people who are just, um, coming out of being incarcerated. Mm. Um, so they offer those people, it's sort of like the idea that like they're getting like a fresh start too. Oh, that's um, so cool. By giving them an employment. Yeah. It's really, I mean, as far as I know, they pay them fairly and I, you know, I've obviously I've never worked there, so I don't know what working conditions are like, but they don't seem too mad when I go there. You know, when like you shop somewhere and you're like oh they must not treat you well like everybody's just so cranky and mean yeah. and you're like this is not a good workplace environment like everyone seems like nice and happy and I don't know what that means but um but anyway yeah it's a really cool organization um but anyway so I had some books that I was just like these I don't actually like they're not so offensive that like I want to burn them but they're <laughs> not like that I'll like cut them up and turn them into art you know but like they're not so 
good that I want to make sure, like there were some books that I'm like, I want to make sure this gets into the hands of someone who needs it. Right. Um, so I had some books today that I was like, who needs these? Cause it was like, spe- you know, books for specific things, like books about ADHD books about, I had a book, a kid's book about God that like I read and was like, this is fine. But like, I, I don't, I'm not going to read this to anybody. Like I just wanted it to, to have it, to read it, you know, um, and see if it was anything. Uh, but, um, but yeah, so I ended up passing on all these books. Um, well, good. You made room to make room house. for it. Yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> for the eight nights of Hanukkah and the pinata yep. pine tree. Yeah, oh, that was good. Yeah, oh, I need I need Herschel. I need that one. That one for sure. I need I'm to terrify the children. I am like I already have. I need to uh, the eight nights of Hanukkah. Like I need I need to contact my local bookstore and get that order mm-hmm. right away. Yep, that one so good. Plus Leslie Kimmelman, obviously, is a. I'm a big fan. We, we are big fans. Yes. So yeah, she's great. She's another very prolific uh, author. Yeah. Um. Those, oh man, I don't know. I don't. I I've been trying to write a children's book for like five years. Um. <laughs> and like, there are people who are like, I've written two hundred books, and I'm like, how? How? That's like. <laughs> that's like when I think about how many paintings Van Gogh made. I'm just like, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I get that you had nothing else to do back then, but like. Still. <laughs> a lot uh no. anyway for it too off topic it's because, uh, it's because you have so many other projects that is it's true it's 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 of, um, having multiple passions or like yep. uh e- or even intersecting passions right but like yep. multiple creative ideas it's and, true i can yeah. only have one passion apparently or i'm just gonna be like this for the rest of my life and well anyway to have servants and um <laughs> That's true, right? <laughs> oh, actually, you know what? Speaking of servants, one thing I forgot to say during Herschel and the Hanukkah Goblins, um, and you can mm-hmm. see this here in the outro, randomly inserted here, um, I will say the room to grow uh, is that it does seem like they, uh, the goblin, the king of the goblins does refer to the other goblins as his slaves, which mm. I wish is a term that had been reconsidered. Um, gotcha. And also... Uh, one of the goblins is described as fat and also mm. the one that's like kind of greedy for the pickles and a little bit dumb. Gotcha. So I, when I do the reading of that book, I just replace or just omit those, those terms. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It, I don't think that they necessarily are. Uh, obviously we can always read the, you, you know, use the terms and then kind of talk about them in context and create like an opportunity for learning but um, sometimes I just omit them, just do a little editing yeah. on the fly. Uh, Absolutely. So in that case, in this case, those are some, just some terms to watch out. I should have, I should, I don't want to, I, I don't want that to go unsaid. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I'm glad we, we randomly got there. <laughs> <laughs> we circled oh around to uh, make of those. Full circle. Um, well, anyway, before we get too off topic, uh, thank you so much, Rebecca. <laughs> it's been a blast as always. Yes, it has. I'm, I'm really, I'm excited about, I'm always excited about these books, but um, I. Yeah, I, this is a particularly good batch. Yeah. And also because I, the holiday books, because I do have so little room on my bookshelf, sometimes the holiday books get packed away in the attic, you know, until mm-hmm. it comes out. So I feel, um, I feel justified in buying a lot of them because I just <laughs> so I, I'm excited to add some of these to our collection yeah absolutely alright have a good one and remember stay rad <laughs>